echo what, uh, what Norm said. Turn this microphone on. Um, about refinement. You know, um, in that process, uh, a piece of silver, a, a pot, or a, a, a vase, or, or, or a candlestick, or whatever it might be, is taken and it's melted down under the fire. And Scripture says, the fire of affliction. And as it's melted down, the, 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 the impurities, they, they come to the top and, and they're scooped off. And then it's melted down again and again until all of those impurities are gone. And then it's made into something else. This is the challenge of, of the gospel. That we understand that, that he's not making us into our old image, but he's making us into the image of his son. As Norma said, not, uh, to reflect him, not to reflect ourselves. And, and it's, a, it's a fire. It's not an easy process. And when I was writing this, um, actually, I've, I've wrestled with this for a while. I, w- I want to say something before I get into this sermon, and and I want to pray differently. As you know, I always I always pray at the beginning of my sermon, and I want to say, look, I'm not here to preach what you already know or what you already think. I mean, as, as I said a couple weeks ago, when you preach the Word, this is part of that refining. It's, it's going to be challenging. It's going to be convicting. Every time you read the Word, it, it's going to be convicting. It's going to call you to change. It's going to call you to be different. That's the nature of the Word of God. And, and so many of us, when we go to the Word, we, we often go to the Word, well, you know, I've had this conversation with, with my friend or with my neighbor, and, and they don't believe like I believe, so I'm going to go to the Word to, 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 to show that I'm right. But if we're reading the Word correctly, oftentimes it's going to show that we need to change. It's going to show God's conviction, and, and that conviction, it, it leads us to a godly sorrow according to Scripture, that leads to repentance, that leads to eternal life. Repentance. Which is to to turn away from the direction that we have been going and turn to the way that God is leading. And, and, And every time we read the Word of God, it should call us further and further into that image of Christ. And, and if you don't agree with me, I invite you to go look at the Old Testament prophets and all the New Testament preachers and show me where they preached what the world found acceptable or popular. I want you to think about that. So I usually pray when I get up here for, for my own words. But, but today I'd also like to pray that hearts would be open to conviction and growth, to hearing something that they have not heard before. Not by my words, but by the word of God. Look, if you come here today and you leave remembering nothing of what I have said, that's okay but only the scripture that I have read. 
then then I feel I've called been called, I feel I've done what I've been called to do. If you would be transformed by the scriptures I read, by the word of God, not my word. That is a great thing. Or if you come out of here having no idea what I said, but that you would go to the scriptures that I present to see what they say and what God says, that is a great thing. So, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that that you would open our hearts and our minds, not just to hear a sermon, but to hear a word that would convict and challenge and change us. Not into ourselves, not into a, a different version of ourselves, but into the image of your Son, Jesus. That we would be open to challenge. That we would be open to transformation and refinement that we would feel that fire, though it might be uncomfortable. That we would set aside what is popular, what is comfortable, and take on what is godly and biblical. Father, the words that I speak, let them be the same, that they come and are tested from your word and moved by your Holy Spirit. Yes, this in Jesus' name. Amen. So before I, I start this sermon, um, and this is probably the, the, the reason I, I started that way, I, I want to challenge you on the way that you think. Um, and I, I know this is a challenge because it's often been the way that I think. I want to challenge you. Um, I want to look at the, the issue of inheritance. And we're going to talk about heaven what heaven looks like and what heaven is and what heaven is for. But before I do that, I want to challenge our notions around church as I've been doing for the last few weeks. Um, Because church, uh, what we do here is actually a reflection of what heaven will be. And, And the notion I want to challenge is the notion of attending I hear people say, well, I attend this church, or I attend that church. And to me, that's like fingernails against a chalkboard. That that drives me nuts when I hear people say that. And I'll tell you why. Because the notion that church is an event, or a program, or an organization that you attend, is not biblical. That's not what the body of Christ is. And it's important because this has implications on how we view our eternity. We often think of church as this event we go to, we attend, we sit, we watch, we listen, we get something from the people who stand up here, and then we go home. And if we don't like what we hear, if we don't like what's being presented to us on the stage... Then we go find somewhere else that that, that scratches those itching ears, that that does things in the way that we like, that, that, that says what we like, says what we've already heard, says what we're comfortable with, says what does not change us. It's a place that is apart from our daily lives. 
You know, a lot of people like church because of that. You know, they they can live their week in one way, and then they get this like break from the rest of their week when they go to church. You know, it's a it's a special event in our weekly life. We go there, and it's different, and then we go home. I want us to reconsider that notion. Get rid of that 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 notion for a moment. If that's how you view church, that is is it is an organization or an event. They go to a few times a week or, or maybe even once a week. Take a moment and get rid of that notion in your head. Let's transfer that to heaven. Heaven, as we read in John's Revelation, is essentially eternal worship. It's, an, it's this worship service, this celebration of God that goes on for all of eternity. And, and we're doing that together. But again, our view of heaven... If you've ever seen Bugs Bunny, is that the, 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 it's this place in the clouds where you go up and you, you play the harp if you're good enough, right? Uh, that it is this distant place, separate from us, separate from our current lives. We go, and, and we'll be hanging out with our relatives and our friends and, and kind of doing our own things up in the clouds, up in the New Jerusalem. But it's this new place, a place we do not know, a place we, we can't long for properly because we've never been there. Once again, this is, is different and separate from our lives, just like how we do church on a Sunday morning. So for a moment, I want you to get rid of that notion as well. Now, I want you to imagine your home growing up. Where your parents are, where, where you felt comfortable, where it is home. You know, for me, I think of a, a cold winter's day. That's not really hard to do today. But um, we used to play in the woods, all bundled up in, our, in, our, in all of our snow gear, cold as all get up. We'd, we'd be sledding and, and wet and, and freezing cold. And we'd walk through the ravine and, and through the woods, and we'd see the light from our house. And we'd walk in the door, and it's warm, and it's safe. And, and, and there'd often be hot chocolate or, or hot tomato soup. Everything's there for us. Now, I know some, for some, home as a child is not a place of comfort, so I want to acknowledge that. But if you can, if you can imagine that, wouldn't it be great <laughs> Excuse me, to go back home You know, we didn't pay bills. <laughs> Our siblings were all there. People loved us. Coming home. I want you to take those first two notions of how we view church, how we view heaven, and replace it with that. It's a different picture, isn't it? I want you to replace your notion of, of church, your notion of heaven, from uh, take it from an event that you attend or an organization that you go to or, or a place that you will go to one day, but you don't know it, with that notion of home. There's a really good hymn, and I'm, a, I'm a, actually going to sing this at the end of the sermon. Sweet Beulah Land. 
the first words in, the, in that hymn, I'm kind of homesick for a country for which I've never been before. I mean, how can you be homesick for someplace you've, you've never been? But that's, that's heaven. We know it's, it's as, a, as a believer, that is our home. It's more than just a place we'll get to go to, but, it, but it's our inheritance. It's our home. It's that place of, 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 of warm comfort which we can hope for when we're out in the cold. It's far greater than what we've often imagined it to be. So I want to talk today about that inheritance. Because uh, we're changing the language from, from a, a separate place to an inheritance. Uh, uh, inheritance is the, the language of, of family, of connection, of, 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 of something that we've been given, not something that we have earned. Titus 3, um, 3 verse 7. Um, I've got a different version here in my, my sermon, so, so please follow along. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done. Let me say that again. He saved us, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth by the renewal of the Spirit, whom He poured out on us generally, generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Do you see that? Not because of anything that we have done, but simply because He is our Creator and our Father and He loves us. And He's merciful. And He's given us the hope of having an eternal home. What an awesome thing. This is one of the difficult things for people to understand. See, the reward is in heaven. I know that's often what we think. The reward is not actually heaven. The reward is God. The reward is our Heavenly Father, our Creator. See, our major problem isn't just that we live in this fallen world where, as this text says, we, we have hatred and malice and envy and, and all these things. That, 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 that's a symptom. But our big, big problem is sin and how it has separated us from our Father, from our Creator. So our reward then, our inheritance, is God Himself. Our inheritance is having a relationship with the God who created us. And the only way that we have that isn't because of what we have done, but what He has done on the cross. And look at the, 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 the parable of the prodigal son, right? In, in Luke 14. We see Jesus is, is, is telling some, some parables to tax collectors and sinners. And it's important to recognize who he's actually talking to. Tax collectors and sinners. Now tax collectors were the worst of the worst. They were, they were traitors because they were taking money from the Jewish people and they were giving it to Rome. And, and sinners, those who had turned away from 
God. Luke 15, 1 says, and this is super important, um, that, that all of these people were tax collectors and sinners. And, and after he gets done with this, he tells this final parable. And it's about a son. And the son demands of his father his inheritance before the father has, has died. This is a massively disrespectful thing to do to a father. It's saying that, that to me, as the son, that, that, that you are dead as my father. It's a horribly disrespectful thing to do. But the father gives him his inheritance. And the son, he goes and spends the money on sin, and suddenly he is out of money. Out of favor, out of family, out of a home. He's literally eating pig scraps in the end. And then he remembers home. He remembers the love that he once had, the security that he once had. And he goes home thinking, look, I'm I'm not going to be able to enjoy things the way I had. I'm not going to get the forgiveness that I asked for, and I'm going to end up working as a hired hand. But, well, let's read the rest of this. Luke 15, 18. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father stopped him and he said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, a shoes, on his, shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son. He was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And they began to celebrate. You know that, 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 that feeling when you, when you go home and your family's there and you celebrate together. This is a parable, not, not a true story, but, but Jesus told this so that we could understand God's love and grace for us. And he told this again to tax collectors and sinners. He didn't tell this to, to, to people who had grown up in the temple, right? To, to, to people who were already perfect. It's not a welcome to a foreign place. It's a welcome home. Let me say that again. It's not a welcome to some foreign, unknown event in the sky. But it's a welcome home. Home amongst that country that we have never seen, but yet somehow we are homesick for. Home among our brothers and sisters who we have this massive connection with and yet we've never met them before. Home where it is familiar because it's our Father's house. You see, we are more than just adherents to a particular religion. More than just attendees to a Sunday morning event at a certain church, at a certain time, in a certain place. We are adopted sons and daughters of our Creator. 
welcomed home as sons and daughters. You know, and, and this meant something in the time this was being preached. When, when, when Paul and, and others are preaching that you are heirs of God the Father. In fact, if you were a son and you went into town to do business for your father, you were working on behalf of your father in his name. So you went off and everybody considered you to be your father. So if you went off and didn't do what your father asked of you, it was a disgrace. If you went off into town and acted in a way that was dishonorable, it was not just a disgrace to you, but to your father as well. Take a look at Isaiah 48. This one's not going to be on the screen, so if you want to follow along, this is Isaiah 48. And he starts in this way. I won't read the whole chapter, but he says, Hear, O house of Jacob, you are called by the name of Israel, and you came from the waters of Judah. You will swear by the name of the Lord and confess the God of Israel, but not in truth or right. For they call themselves after the holy city and stay themselves on the God of Israel. The Lord of hosts is his name. So let me jump to verse 8. You have never heard, you have never known, from the old from of old your ear has not been opened for I knew that you would surely deal treacherously and that from before birth you were called a rebel and that from birth you were called a rebel but for my sake I'm going to defer my anger for my sake for the sake of my praise I will restrain it for you that I may not be cut off from you behold I have refined you but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. So you see that he is, what he's saying here. When his people deal, deal treacherously, those who claim to go and do business in his name, his name is profaned when they sin. And so his grace, his mercy, he says here in Isaiah, is for his sake, for his name, for his glory. But he loves us, despite the fact that we are the ones that that deal treacherously. He he said, I I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to turn from me. As we read in Romans 5 that he loved us so much that he gave his only son that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Consider this. A father. His son works for him and he sends his son out to go and purchase some things for him. And the son takes the money he goes into town and he goes hey, you know what? This is fun. I've got my, my father's money. Is the pub. He, he goes there, he spends the money, he raises a ruckus, and he realizes, oh, I spent most of my father's money on myself, not on what he wanted. So 
so then he goes to the suppliers and he, he says, look, I, I demand that you give me that product for what I have left. And he's rude to them. He, he withholds the money his father has given him for that purpose. He refuses to do what the father has given him. He refuses to do what the father has given him the ability to do. Does that not dishonor the Father? Perhaps then you know why I talk about 1 Corinthians 12 so often and the gifts that we have been given. Has He not gifted you with gifts and sent you into town to do His work? How do you go with that? Perhaps then we understand the, the, the gifts and the grace that He's given us, and the charge that He's given us, and why we would do that, why we would serve Him, because He is a good, good Father, gracious and merciful. Suddenly, the thinking that it's about being an attendee, we realize that's, that's, that's not biblical. Watching church, attending church, is not a thing in the Bible. It's not what God has called us to do. Instead, we are called to be the body, to use those gifts where He sends us, and to act in His name. And it's all wrapped up in this language of home, in this language of family. And then we get to this, John 14.2. He says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. We know Ephesians 5, right? Paul goes into this conversation about family. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Wives, submit to your husband as to Christ. Children, obey your parents. And then we get to the end and we realize this isn't actually a moral lesson about how to run our family. That's part of it. But he says, you know what? This is actually about the church. Sure, yes, run your family that way. But this is actually about the body of Christ. The family is a representation of Christ on earth, but it's the body of Christ as well. So this this is a cool text in that light. In a Hebrew marriage, when a woman is betrothed to her husband, the husband then goes away. And he goes to his father's house and he, he builds a, a, a room or apartment. In, in this text we hear the word mansion sometimes and, and despite how we take it today, it simply, simply means a dwelling place. And he goes to, to prepare this dwelling place for them. And, and as he's away, the bride has no idea when he's going to come back. She has to be ready for his return. Does that sound familiar? And when he does return, she's got to be ready to go. And then this, this wedding is complete. But he has to go and prepare this place for her. So this language of family is so strong. Again, reminding us that it's, it's, it's not just about being attendees. But we are, the, we are the bride of Christ. And again, it's, it's this language of family and of home. Verse 4 in our text says, But when the kindness of God our Savior appears, He saves us. Not because of our righteousness. Again, 
not because of righteous things we had done. This is really important. But because of His mercy, He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. We are saved, but more than saved. We look at salvation often as this individual thing. I am saved because I raised my hand. Or I am saved because I said a prayer at an event. I am saved because I've always gone to church. That text that we just read says something very different. It says, I am saved because of His mercy. He saved us. Not because of what we have done or the righteous things we have done. In fact, we, we're still sinners. That's a, a really important thing to remember. We were still sinners. We were that piece of, 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 of discarded silver that, that wasn't useful anymore. We couldn't do that ourselves. We can't get up and, and refine ourselves. But we need the refiner. And he did that. Not because of anything that we've done. Not, uh, not because of us. But because of his amazing mercy and love for us. Because he's our father and he wants us home. He saved us. So loved that he gave his only son. So that while you were still sinners, he died on the cross for us so that you could be adopted. Even though you had rebelled, you had run away, but you could be adopted as his son or daughter. Perhaps think of it this way. A man sees a child all alone on the sidewalk and the child is lost and, and hungry and hurting. And this kid, well, he, he's been on the street for a while. He's got an attitude. He's disrespectful. He's rough. But despite this, the man takes the child to the nearest orphanage and, and says, hey, you know, this kid needs help. And he leaves him there and goes. That's a, that's a pretty good guy, right? That's a pretty good man to, to, to do that, to take that responsibility. But that's the thing. God is better than anything we could imagine. His goodness is beyond anything we can imagine. See, because we are that kid. But God didn't just drop us off at the orphanage. No, he paid the price for our disrespects, for our crime, for our crimes. He didn't just drop us off. But despite our sins, despite our crimes, he adopted us. He took us home. So again, we are far more than just attendees. You see the difference? Ephesians 1.5 says this, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. So you go back to, to Isaiah and He says, Look, I, I knew you were going to be treacherous. I knew you were going to sin. And He did but despite that, I've paid the price for those sins so that I can take you home. How amazing is that? The church is, is a, a, a reflection of what heaven is going to be. It's a household, not an event. 
It's a household, not an event. Verse 6 says this, Jesus, whom whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, his mercy, so that having been justified by grace, by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So we are justified, again, not because of what we do, but by his grace. You know, some of you, some of you have have experienced this. Uh, a child who is, who, who is gone, who is, has wandered from from faith, maybe wandered from from your household. But the desire for them to come home is still there. That no matter what they have done, you still love them as your child, and and. And then again, as, as I gave the example before, now, now imagine that God's far better than we are. His love is far greater. And His mercy is far greater. So that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs. Having hope of eternal life. This is, if you're an heir, you get to receive an inheritance, Right? Do we earn our inheritance? No. You get an inheritance not because of who you are, but because of who your family is. Let me say that again. You get an inheritance not because of who you are, but because of who your family is. Because we have been adopted into this family. That is why we receive this inheritance. And, and all of this. Now we, we see God not just as this, as this distant figure who, who gives us this, this cool, cloudy place to, to, to go to when, we're, uh, when we leave this life, but we're going to our Father's home. We're going home to a place that, that we know not, not because we've been there, but because He's implanted that on our heart and we know it's home and we want to go there. So I want to encourage you to see heaven in a different light, to see it through the grace of God, through His mercy. But not only that, to see the, the, the precursor, the, the body of Christ, the church, not just a place as, 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 that we go to attend, but a, but a place that, 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 that is home, that we, that we contribute to, that we're a part of. We do more than just attend. I want to sing that song, and I'll invite you to to stand and and sing. If we could get that on the screen, if if that's possible, can we um, get that that song up on the on the screen? If we could, if if uh, if, if you want to stand, you can. If you want to sing along, and we're going to do this uh, the old-fashioned Church of Christ way. We're going to do this a cappella. Um, kind of homesick for a country to which I've never been before. No sad goodbyes will there be spoken for time will matter anymore. Beulah I'm longing for you Then someday 
me I stand where my home shall be eternal Beulahland sweet Beulahland I'm looking now across the river where my faith will end in sight there's just a few more days to labor than I will take my heavenly flight Beulahland we'll go back to the chorus I'm longing for you then someday of me I'll stand where my home shall be turned land, sweet Beulahland I see the lights I hear the singing a brand new song of joy divine my soul rejoices just in knowing that soon these pleasures will be mine Beulahland I'm longing for you and someday on me I'll stand where my home shall be eternal Beulahland sweet Testament reference for, for heaven. But it gives the picture in, in, in Hebrew of, of the real version of heaven. The real version of the body of Christ, which is going home to that comfort, to that peace. Take time to, to, to learn about that home, to rejoice in it, to praise God for it. Because it's a gift given to us freely. But that door is open to us through Jesus for all who would walk into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are good. And we call you Father. You are holy. You are mighty. You are just. You are righteous. You are loving and you are merciful. And you've called us home. And you've torn down the walls of sin that have kept us from that home through your son Jesus. Though we put up those walls ourselves. Father, remind us of what you've given us. Open our hearts to see that light, that comfort in a distance while we walk through this fallen world that we would be able to see what you are offering us and that you've opened that door for us despite the many times we've turned despite the many times we've walked away that by your grace you've opened this door Father remind us of this that we can praise you and know you We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.